Lord. We thank you, Lord, that, that, Lord, that we can do this, Lord, with our hearts and our lives, Lord. The fact is, is that we know the true and the living God, Lord. And for those of us that have a personal, intimate relationship with you, Lord, we desire to grow this relationship, Lord. We desire it to be so much greater than what it is today. Lord, help us to yield every ounce of our lives to you, Lord. Help us to live for you, to love you, to fear you, to walk with you, to please you, to love you. Help us to do this, Lord. Show us how, Lord. Reveal through your word, Lord. Lord, we continue to pray, Lord, for just an amazing work by your Spirit upon our very lives, sanctifying us and making us more like your Son. And only you can do this work in. We know that your word, as it transforms us and renews us and revives us, that it can definitely be done as, as we yield to it, Lord. We continue to pray for this city and we continue to pray for this church. Move powerfully through your people, Lord. Fall afresh upon this city, Lord, and awaken them in their need for Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's turn our Bibles to Esther chapter 6. And you know, and as I read uh, the events of Esther chapter 6, it definitely brings discomfort in knowing that God is so involved in, in our lives. And this chapter, as we get into this chapter, it, it really talks about God's divine providence in our lives. And not only His providence, but His exposure of the righteous and the wicked. And as a reminder, God's providence, it refers to His absolute involvement and care in our lives. And that's what we're going to see here. We're going to see how, how God is just so involved in the lives of His children and the lives of His, of His people and the lives of men and women, just like you and I. We're all, you know what, as we look at ourselves, for those of us that are placed our faith in Jesus Christ, there is a work and there is a care that He has for us. And He makes sure that nothing is going to come in between us and Him. And so, as we see, as we see the, the tables that are going to turn, you know, as we're talking about Haman, we're talking about Mordecai, we're talking about just these, these men. You know, one had, wanted nothing to do with God and the other one was just a, a, a lover of God. And so, you know, we're going to see how the tables are going to turn on this evil man named Haman, and we're going to see how they're going to turn in Mordecai's favor. The title of today's message is, When the Lord Honors. When the Lord Honors. And I want to ask you a question. Just think about, ponder this question as I give it to you. How many of us have ever been overlooked? Think about that. You know, but how many of us have, have seen others get ahead, even though they didn't deserve it? Even though you saw their motives, their deceit, their lies, their wickedness, and yes, they moved ahead, and you think to yourself, why? You know, don't others see what I see? Don't others see that, that they're not being true and they're not being honest? And I want to remind you of one thing, though others may not see it, the one that matters does see it. And that's the Lord. And this is what he says in Proverbs 5, verse 21. He says, for the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. 
The ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord and he ponders all his paths. In other words, he's just looking at us and he's meditating on us and he's just examining us and just, you know, it's just like a loving father that can't take his eyes off of his children, right? A mother that is like a, you know, like a mama bear that continues to watch her children and, and doesn't take her eyes off of her children. Well, that's the Lord. His eye, or the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord and he ponders all his paths. When we think that no one is seen, understand one thing, that God, the one that matters most, is the one that sees things. And if you are doing good, remember this, don't lose heart, but continue in it. You know what, even though you see some others getting ahead, continue doing good. Don't lose heart. This is why we're told in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, and let us not grow weary while doing good. Don't grow, grow, grow tired of doing good. And sometimes it's hard, right, as you see others get ahead and you see others advance and you see others just all these blessings coming upon them and you're thinking to yourself, what about me? Don't go, grow tired. Even though the enemy is trying to, you know what, discourage you and to bring doubt and to, you know what, give you all these lies in your, in your mind, just remain and continue to do good. It says, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. You're going to reap. In other words, they're going to come. Just don't give up. Don't give up on God. God has great plans for us. Where, you know, when it comes to His children, He has great plans for His children. But if you're doing bad, I want to remind you of this. As we're talking about the good and the wicked. We're talking about the, the sinner and the, and the one that sins less. We're talking about the believer and the unbeliever. If you're doing good... I read to you, but if you're doing bad, look at what it says in Numbers 32, verse 23. And be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. Remember that. Your sin is always going to find you out. All, this is repeated in the New Testament. Luke chapter 8, verse 17. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. You know what? Everyone's sins come out in due time. No matter what you're trying to hide, no matter what you're trying to keep from from others knowing, understand this, your sin is eventually going to come out. People are going to know about your sin. You know what? And it's always going to come out. And God has a way of doing that. And especially these days, how many of us have seen it more these days when you look at just the, the, the Me Too movement, right? You see all these things coming out about all these people, right? All these men that, that are just, you know what? Taking advantage of others. You know what? Their power. You know what? Victimizing people. Not only that, the, you know what's just coming out in the news, right? With R. Kelly, you, you know, that, that rapper. And you know what? That, you know what? All these things that he was doing with all these underage girls. You know what? These things come out. And just yesterday and today, how many of you heard about the, uh, the, these revelations of, of the celebrities that were bribing their children's enrollment into prestigious universities? You know what? They have all the money in the world, right? And they're buying their children into schools. But yet these things are coming out. Things hidden will come to light. Remember this. They're going to come to light now or later. And we're going to see. We're going to see firsthand the good that comes to light as well as the bad that comes to light. And so with that, let's go ahead and read beginning in verse 1 of Esther chapter 6. It says, That night the king could not sleep. So one was commanded to bring the book of the records of the chronicles and they were read before the king. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of Bictana and 
Kiresh, two of the king's eunuchs, the doorkeepers who had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. Then the king said, What honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? And the king's servants who attended him said, Nothing has been done for him. Let's stop here. Let's talk about this. So many of you know what we're talking about. We're talking about Mordecai, right? Mordecai here had saved the king's life. There was two eunuchs that wanted to kill the king. And Mordecai was actually Esther's cousin. And for those of you that know the story of Queen Esther, some of you are here for the first time. Queen Esther, we know that she was a Jew. And, and you know what? It was God's divine sovereignty that made her queen to save the Jews. And so you have this guy Haman. There's a guy named Haman that, that desires to, to take out the Jews, to annihilate the Jews. And so he gets permission from the king to do so. And so he's all excited about getting rid of the king uh, uh, of the of, uh, of 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 the Jews and and you know what? And he thinks of a plan. He says, "You know what? I I hate this guy Mordecai because every time I walk by, he's the only one that doesn't bow down to me." You know the pride of man, right? I mean, hey, they want to be acknowledged, and and you know what? They want to be acknowledged, and because no one, uh, this one man that said, "I'm a Jew," and because I'm Jew, I'm a Jew, I'm not going to honor this king. I'm not going to honor Haman, and so I'm not going to bow down to him, and. And so, of course, Haman was upset about that. And the reasoning was because he was a Jew. And so Haman says, you know what? We're going to just take out all the Jews. He got the permission of the king to do so. And so what he ends up doing is he ends up making a gallow, a, a place to hang Mordecai. And so he's thinking of all these plans to kill off Mordecai, which was Esther's cousin. And it was really her father figure, right? He's the one that raised her. And so as, as he's thinking of these plans, and that night that he made these plans, we read here that the king could not sleep. Why the insomnia? How many of you have insomnia here? Anybody have insomnia? How many of you get it once in a while where you can't sleep, right? Well, what do you do when you can't sleep? I think most of us, will get a, many of you get a book, right? And you begin to read. I don't have insomnia, but... My beloved wife has it and she gets a book many times and she, she tries to read it and she attempts to read it and, and you think to yourself, you're, you, you want to read a book that will get you sleepy. And so the book that he gets is uh, the records of the King's Chronicles. And you think to yourself, I mean, how boring would that be, right? I mean, the events of the king. I mean, that's what he's reading. What has happened in my kingdom? Or maybe he's so prideful that he loves to hear about all his, you know, his good things that he's done. And so, can you imagine this? The book is open, as we see here. It's opened by one of the king's servants. It wasn't the king. It was one of his servants that opens the book. And they open the book to the very page that reveals an attempted assassination upon the king by two eunuchs. And the one that stopped this from happening was this man named Mordecai. And let's read about this. Turn your Bibles to Esther chapter 2, just a few pages prior. Esther chapter 2, verse 21. We're going to read about this. In Esther chapter 2, verse 21, it says, In those days, while Mordecai sat within the king's gate, two of the king's eunuchs, Victan and Teresh, Doorkeepers became furious and sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. And so the matter became known to Mordecai, who told Queen Esther, and Esther informed the king in Mordecai's name, 
in Mordecai's name. In other words, she didn't take credit for it. She advised the king in Mordecai's name. And when an inquiry was made into the matter, guess what? It was true and both were hanged. We're talking about these eunuchs. They were hanged on the gallows. And it was written in the book of the Chronicles in the presence of the king. So they wrote it in this book. Remember, they would keep an account of all the events that took place. And, and so this is what King Ahasuerus, King Xerxes is reading. And as we're told here in it, it was a queen that revealed that it was Mordecai. But yet Mordecai was completely ignored. No reward came for him. And usually for doing something good like this, right, there would be a, re a reward for, for somebody that would save the king. I mean, he would be raised up probably to a, a position of great honor, maybe, what, second in command or maybe third or fourth, but he would definitely be raised in a place of honor. But yet Mordecai was ignored. Think about that. Mordecai was ignored. How many times have we been ignored? How many things that we have done have been ignored? You know, the good things that we do, no one notices. No one knows about them. But let me remind you, the only one that matters is God, isn't it? He's the only one that matters. And one thing about God is that He keeps a record of everything we do. And if He desires for others to know, then guess what? He's going to make it known. But if He doesn't, if He doesn't want others to know, then He's not going to bring it out, right? And all that matters is that the Lord knows. And this is why we're reminded not to, not to grow weary while doing good. For in due season, the Word of God says that we're going to reap. And we're going to reap whether it's going to be in heaven or it's going to be on earth. God will let it be known. And when He does, it will have its perfect timing. We don't know why. I mean, we know why. I mean, God had a perfect time for this, but it took several years for the king to know that it was to acknowledge Mordecai. And they had told Mordecai, but it was one of those things that maybe he just wasn't listening or maybe he was excited about the fact that, that, that they discovered this plot and just really forgot about the one that discovered the plot and so Mordecai was never rewarded. But I want to talk about God's providence here. And I want you to know that God is completely involved in all of this, just like He's involved in the lives of those that are His children, of those that belong to Him. Let me bring up some things for you to really meditate on. Is it a coincidence that the king could not sleep? Think about that. Let me remind you, this was the night, the night that the king could not sleep, was the same night that Haman had planned to come to the king the next morning so that they can hang Mordecai. Do you think it was a coincidence that the king couldn't sleep? Do you think it was a coincidence that the king wanted the book of his chronicles read that night? Do you think it was a coincidence that the servant that read this opened up the book right to the very page that revealed that it was Mordecai that saved the king. Do you think it was a coincidence that Mordecai was never acknowledged or it never really dawned on the king that Mordecai had saved his life? 
And do you think it was a coincidence that Haman was on his way to instruct the king to hang Mordecai? And this happens. Absolutely not. I want you to know that when it comes to to Christians, many people say, you know what, it's, you know what, good luck or it's luck or whatever the case may be. I want you to know when it comes to Christians, there is no such thing as luck. There is no such thing as a coincidence. Remember this, it's God's divine providence when it comes to believers and the lives of believers. There's things that happen when we don't expect them and there's situations that we're brought into that, that we must acknowledge that the only way that this could have happened is by the hand of God. And many times we're so busy about everything else without really taking or giving the credit to God for the things that He does. You know what? God has done so many things in your lives and in my life and and yet sometimes we don't even acknowledge that, you know what, it's God that's doing it. It's not a coincidence. It's not luck. It's a divine hand of God that happens, that came into our lives and is doing this and moving the pieces and, and making sure that certain things are going on in our lives. You know, God's sovereignty is so clearly seen here. Think about where you're at. Think about where you're working. Think about the church you're attending. Think about the place you're living. Think about the job that you have. Think about all these things, the, the kids that you have, your spouse. I mean, none of these things are by coincidence. It's not by luck. This is God's divine providence upon our lives. And we must remember these things. And many times when we feel like we're overlooked, remember this, be encouraged. For God has a record of all the things that you do. As a believer and as unbelievers, did you know that He records everything? In Revelation, it tells us when it comes to the unbeliever, all of their uh, your ungodly acts, all of their sin has all been recorded. And for the believer, did you know that everything that you do God has a record of it? As a believer, God records everything that you do. And when is this all going to be revealed? Anyone want to take a guess? The Bema Seat. Absolutely right. What is the Bema Seat? The Bema Seat is a judgment seat. And it's for the believer. And it's not a judgment to judge you whether, you know what, whether you receive Christ or not, whether, you, whether you're, you know, to judge you for your sins, whether you're going you're gonna to make it into heaven or not. No, this place is a place that's going to judge you, right? For the works that we did, for the things that we did as a believer. And when is it going to take place? You know what, we're waiting for this very moment, aren't we? We're waiting for the rapture of the church, aren't we? How many of you are waiting for the rapture? How many of you can't wait for the rapture? You know what? I'm one of you. I'm with you. I can't wait for this place, for this event to take place, for the Lord to take His church. And when the Lord takes His church, you know what He's going to do? This is where we're all going to be judged. As believers, 
for the works that you did. You're not going to be thrown into hell. I mean, God already paid the price for your sin. It's not about your sin. Now it's about your works and rewarding you for the things that you did here on earth. Look at what it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, each one's work will become clear. Each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire which tests each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so through the fire. In other words, you know what? This isn't a place to judge you for your sin. This is a place to judge you for how you lived as a believer, how you live for Christ. You know, the Bema Seat, it's also talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. That's where we get the title. This is that Bema Seat. And it's gonna be a, this is going to be the place where some of us are, are, are we're going to receive our crowns for the things that we did for the Lord. Some of us are going to be rewarded for these. And remember, when the Lord talks about the faithful servants, right? He's talking about how faithful were you on earth because this is a place, I want you to understand, the place on earth is a place where your faithfulness is tested for, what you, for the things that you're going to do during the millennial kingdom. How are you going to serve Christ during the thousand year reign? It's how you live for Him here on earth. What you did for the Lord on earth. Were you faithful to what God had called you to do? Were you faithful to, to, to answer His calling? Were you faithful to do what He asked you to do? You know what, today was an amazing I've never I haven't experienced this before I've experienced the Lord speaking to me and you many of you know that and you know what the Lord asking me to do things and and you know what there's those times when I'm just like okay Lord I'm going to do it and I'm just going to take these steps of faith and you're asking me to do these things but today the Lord stopped me and I couldn't do anything until I did what he asked me to do and I tried to, you know what, I tried to say, okay, I'll do it later. And he was, no, you've got to do it now. The conviction was so deep. I've never experienced anything like this. I was praying and I couldn't stop. I couldn't continue in prayer. He was asking me to do something and I had to do it. I couldn't do anything but do what he asked me to do. You know what, it's, it was an amazing experience. And I've never had that one before and you know, after experience it, I shared it with my wife. And, you know, I had to fulfill what God was asking me to do. That very moment, I couldn't wait. And I couldn't do anything else. And nothing else was in my, nothing else I could think of but do what I was called to do. What amazing. Never experienced anything like this before. And then after I did what He was asking me to do, then I was able to move forward. Amazing. But see, these things I'm going to be judged for. We're all going to be judged for the things, whether you did, whether you followed through what the Lord had asked you to do. How faithful are you in the ministry that God has placed you in? How faithful are you as, as, a, as a servant of the Lord, as a, as a son, as a worker, as a student? You know what, in your jobs, how faithful are you? How faithful are you with these things? How faithful you are as a son, as a daughter? You know what? How faithful are you in doing what God is asking you to do? Simple commands, do you do them? Keeping His Word, do you do it? 
If He asks you to do something, go to the right, do you do it? Go to the left, do you do it? Go straight, do you do it? King David, right? I mean, the perfect example. I want you to go here, he went there. I want you to do this, he did that. The same thing with us, no different, right? Are are you going to do what I'm asking you to do? Remember, God keeps a record of everything we do and it's all going to be revealed. As we return back to the events here, imagine Mordecai after saving the king. After he saved the king, right, several years back, he saves the king and he's not rewarded. Did this stop Mordecai from doing good? Did Mordecai say to himself, you know what, forget this, you know what, I've done all this for you, Lord, and I'm ignored, I'm not rewarded, so you know what, I'm not, that's it. I'm going to go back into the world. I'm going to disobey you. You know what? We can easily become bitter. We can easily become angry. We can easily become upset if we're ignored, if we're overlooked. But when you become bitter, when you become angry, when you become upset, I want you to know that you're sinning. That's called sin. Anger, upset, bitterness. it's important for us to evaluate. Examine your own life. You know what? When, when we don't receive what we want, what do we do? When we're not getting praise from man, what do we do? See, God doesn't ever want us looking for the praise of man. God wants us looking for His praise. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. It says, But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will, reveal, will Himself reward you openly. You know what? When you do something, don't ever do it so that people can see you. You know, you have people that are always talking about, you know what, I'm doing this for the Lord, I'm doing that for the Lord, and this and that. You know what, may that be between you and yourself. You and God, that's all that matters. Did you know that this ministry, when it began, what, almost 12 years ago, 11 years ago, you know what, the only ones that knew about this ministry was my pastor, my wife, and my kids. The rest of the church had no idea what was going on. This was between me and the Lord. It came out later, but in the beginning, it wasn't about that. And, and this is what the Lord does as, as you do things, right? As you're doing things unto Him, you don't need to let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And it says that your Father who sees in secret will Himself reward you openly. God plans on rewarding you openly, whether it's going to be here on earth or in heaven. It's going to be rewarded openly. Everyone's going to see it. At the Bema seat, everyone's going to see it. Or here on earth, everybody's going to see it. It's going to be rewarded. So take comfort in knowing that God has His eyes on you and has His records on you. You know, another scripture that we should live by. Proverbs 27, verse 10. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth. A stranger and not your own lips. Remember that. 
May your praises come from other men. Maybe not you that's bragging and boasting about the things that you do. Let other people talk about that. Let other people say, hey, you know what? I saw this person doing that and that. You know what? And, and you know what? It's not about you doing it for them to see, but, but this is what happens many times. As we keep reading on in verse 4, it says, So the king said, Who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to suggest that the king hang Mordecai on the gallows that he and I'm sorry, that the king hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. And the king's servant said to him, Haman is there standing in the court. You know, as we see this, right? As we see the fact that Haman came for one purpose to reveal to the king, let's hang Mordecai. But God in his divine providence he protected Mordecai Mordecai. And he was about to turn the tables. And so when the servant saw Haman there, they shared to the king that Haman was in the courts. Let's keep reading. Verse 6 goes on to say, So Haman came in and the king asked him, What shall be done for the man who the king, whom the king delights to honor? And now Haman thought in his heart, Whom would the king delight to honor more than me? And Haman answered the king, For the man whom the king delights to honor, let a royal robe be brought which the king has worn and a horse on which the king has ridden, which has a royal crest placed on its head. Then let this robe and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princesses that he may array the man whom the king delights to honor. Then parade him on horseback through the city square and proclaim before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. You know what? Haman comes in and the king asks him the question. What shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? And Haman, of course, was thinking, hey, it's all about me, right? This man was so prideful. He thought it was all about him, right? He was always bragging about all the things that were happening in his life. And so he lays out the best that he could think of the best that he would want to be rewarded with. And so he says, he gives four suggestions to the king, put on him a royal robe that you have worn, king, and put him on a crowned horse that you have ridden. And then you parade the horse through the city square and you proclaim, this shall be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Imagine. Let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever thought, you know, when they were giving awards or, or a boss was talking to you about a promotion that, that they were going to give somebody and you thought it was you? Has that happened to anyone here? Being honest here, has it happened to anyone here? I'm going to be honest, it happened to me. You know what? My boss was saying all these good things and I thought, wow, I think he's talking about me. And guess what? It wasn't me. And so how do we react to that? You know what? It's, it's pretty humiliating and it can be disappointing. But how do we react when someone else is rewarded or awarded. Let's look at how Haman responded. Let's read. And 
It says here in verse 10, it says, Then the king said to Haman, Hurry, take the robe and the horse as you have suggested, and do so for Mordecai the Jew who sits within the king's gate. Leave nothing undone of all that you have spoken. So Haman took the robe and the horse, arrayed Mordecai, and led him on horseback through the city square, and proclaimed before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. And afterward, Mordecai went back to the king's gate. But Haman hurried to his horse, mourning and with his head covered. Imagine. The king reveals, right? It's Mordecai the Jew. The Jew that sits by the king's gate. Do as you have spoken. Do as you had said how he should be rewarded. And we read that Haman was what? Was obedient to his command. But then the Bible reveals the heart of Haman. He was mourning. After all this was done on his way home, he begins to mourn and he covers his head. He was completely humiliated. He was mourning with sorrow and covering his face with complete embarrassment. With complete embarrassment. How do we react when others get ahead? Think about that. How do you react when someone else gets ahead? Are you angry? Are you bitter? Are you envious? Are you jealous? Do you covet what they have? Or do we esteem others better than ourselves? Think about that. The Bible instructs us in Philippians 2, verse 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. I want to reveal something very quickly. As people, believe me, we're always looking to be great, aren't we? This is the way we are as people, right? And this is the way our flesh is, isn't this? Isn't this the way we are as people? I mean, when you look at the disciples, how many times would they argue about who would be the greatest? And we're talking about the disciples of Jesus, right? Those that Jesus was teaching and walking with. And they would argue about how or who would be the greatest. And the instruction from Jesus on becoming great is this. Matthew 20, verse 26 through 27. Yet it, shall be, yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. The way up is the way down. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, and His kingdom is the only one that matters, is we need to have a servant's heart. We need to have the heart of a slave, the heart to serve. One thing about Haman is we knew that he would never desire to be a slave or a servant, especially to Mordecai, the one that he hated. But when it comes to our heart, where are we? Do we look to be served? Think about that. 
Or are you looking for opportunities to serve people? Are you looking for opportunities to serve people at church? Are you looking for opportunities to serve people at your work? Are you looking for opportunities to serve people elsewhere? Or are you one that always wants to be served? Are you always looking for people to come and to serve you? To acknowledge you? Think about that. Are you one of those that are always saying, you know what, I want people to come and talk to me or are you the one that goes out to talk to others? To encourage them. To serve them. How can I serve you? How can I help you? You know, our hearts are to serve and as Jesus instructed us, right? I, I came to serve and not to be served. And to give my life a ransom for many is what he said. Where's our hearts? Jesus himself said we're called to be servants. We're called to be slaves of others. And I want you to know, serving others and serving as I'm talking about, it can never be done by the power of the flesh, but only by the power of God. Remember that. Never by the power of the flesh, but only by the power of God. You can't serve this way in your own strength. You need the power of God to do this. Let's read. Let's finish these verses. This chapter, it says in verse 13, When Haman told his wife, Zeresh, and all his friends, everything that had happened to him, his wise men and his wife, Zeresh, said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish descent, you will not prevail against him, but will surely fall before him. While they were still talking with him, the king's eunuchs came and hastened to bring Haman to the banquet which Esther had prepared. Look at what it says here. It says, both the wise man and his wife reveal to Haman, you're in for a fall. I want you to understand, and I've seen this time and time again, before someone has a fall, God is always giving warnings. I don't know if you noticed that. God will always give you a warning before a fall. He's always revealing to you, hey, don't do that anymore and you have either counsel that you're going to receive or you're going to hear it from a friend or you're going to hear it from, from a, 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 a Bible study. You're going to hear it from, from a teacher. You're going to hear it from someone. A warning is always given. Time and time again, God will always give you warnings before the fall. And believe me, I have counseled. I have counseled many people and some have listened and others have not. And you could look back at those that didn't listen and the warning was there and you, look, you think to yourself, wow, that was the Lord speaking to them. I knew it. I knew it. What keeps people from listening to godly counsel? What keeps people from listening to godly counsel? I'm going to give you two things. One is sin. You know why they don't want to listen to godly counsel? They don't want to give up their sin. They believe the lie that they will be fine. They believe the lie that they will be fine. 
Look at what Proverbs 14 verse 12 says. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is a way of what? Of death. Sin will keep you from receiving godly counsel. And people love their sin. And sometimes God has to chase you and break you so that you don't return back to it. I want to give you another reason why people don't receive counsel is because they are they have pride. It's pride. Pride. You know what? That's not going to happen to me. Hey, you know what? I don't want to receive from anybody. I know what's best. I don't need counsel. And the counsel they're giving me, you know what? I know what's better for me. I know what's best in my life. You know what? Pride, it's, horrible thing and believe me I know how horrible it is because I was filled with pride at one time and I still remember the day I was sobbing because I was so I just hated the pride I hated my pride my my prideful heart and the Lord broke me of that because it was just heading me on the road of destruction See, God resists the proud. If you think you know better than God or you think you know better than, than godly counsel, then guess what? You're in for a fall. You're going to be misdirected. You're going to think that this way is right for you, but in reality, godly counsel will help you. And it's His Word. It's His counsel. That's why we're told in Proverbs 16, verse 18, that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. I want to remind you, this, and we're going to close here, this was a perfect time for Haman to confess. When Haman was told, you know what? They told Haman, you're not going to prevail. You're going to fall before him. That was the Lord speaking to Haman. But Haman didn't want to receive it. He didn't want to confess. He didn't want to admit. You know what? Yes, you're right. And yes, I'm wrong. Lord, forgive me. I'm going to go to the king and I'm going to tell the king, you know what? Mordecai, you're right. You know what? I planned this against him because I hated him. But you know what? You're absolutely right. He is a good man. And I'm the one that did wrong. You can admire somebody like that. Somebody that admits their fault. Because Haman refused to confess, refused to repent. We're going to see next week. You're going to see Haman's fall. You're going to see him. The destruction that he brought upon himself. May we be a people. A people. that are not prideful. May we be a people that are humble, 
a people that serve, a people that love, a people that are here to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to do what His Word says. We can learn so many things from Haman. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for just Your Word. We thank You for Your message. We thank You for the things that You revealed to us. And Lord, we saw a man, Lord Jesus, that refused to listen. A prideful man that was headed for destruction. Lord, we struggle too. Even as believers, we struggle. Even though the old man is dead, there is still sin that dwells within us. And this sin that still dwells in us, Lord, it it wants to become our master again. And we struggle with pride and we struggle with with just sin. But the only way to rid ourselves of these things is to acknowledge is to repent and most of all to surrender our hearts to you to rule and reign in our hearts and not allow sin in any way to become our master again if there's anyone here if there's anyone here that desires to repent that desires to ask the Lord to forgive you. Maybe you have been envious and jealous of others. Maybe you have been angry that others are getting ahead. Maybe you're prideful. Maybe you're, you're just at a place where you know that, that you shouldn't be because there's covetousness within your heart and there's just things that you're doing that aren't pleasing to the Lord. And if you want to confess, if you want to repent, we do it here before the Lord. If there's anyone that wants to do that, it's between you and Him. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand so we can pray for you. Anybody wanting to do this? Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Heavenly Father, you saw these hands that went up. And Lord, they want to live for you. They want to love you. They want to fear you. They want to please you. They want to walk with you. And they don't want nothing to hinder that. For those of you that raise your hand, confess between you and the Lord just your sin and ask Him to forgive you. Lord, as they confessed it to you, Lord. We know that your word says that if we confess, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. May they live for you, Lord. May they be a people, Lord, that are so sensitive to your spirit. When sin is there before them. May they know 
the end is a way of destruction. May they know, Lord Jesus, that you are calling them and giving them that way of escape. They don't have to sin. May they love you more than anything else. May they walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Move powerfully in and through those that raise their hands, Lord, as they confess before you, Lord. Thank you for their humility, their honesty before you. Lord, you resist the proud, but you give grace to the humble. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can come before you and you don't reject, but you accept. That you give a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're doing a work in and through us, Lord. And one day, Lord Jesus, we will be free from sin. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love, your mercy, your grace. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Before the cross